Hi guys, my name's Jason Mountford and this is episode 25 of the UK Money Podcast. And on today's episode of the show, I'm going to be talking through a couple of different things. Number one, I'm going to be talking about the importance of having a plan for your ideal life before you even start thinking about your finances. And that may sound all a bit woo-woo, but it is really, really important to gain clarity around what your ideal life looks like because without that, it's going to be really hard to know what the right financial decisions actually are. So I'm going to talk through that. And that comes off the back of a a really good meeting that I had with a a client who actually came through to have a chat to me after listening to the podcast. So that's got me thinking about this issue. And I just think it's a, a really important point that I'd like to talk through a bit with you today. The other question I've had come through via Instagram is from Melissa Matt and he's asked about bonds and you know I talk a lot about fixed interest bonds guilt um, and how they can be a really valuable part of diversifying your portfolio but he's asked how how to actually buy them um, which is a really good question because we hear a lot about uh, buying shares buying ETFs buying funds that are investing in shares uh, and there's a lot of information around that there's not as much information around bonds so I'm going to be talking about that today if you're new to the podcast um these are the kind of things I talk about. So talk about money, things like tax rates, things like investments, things like the best wrappers to hold your your, your financial uh, investments, but also kind of more deeper questions about money, it, just in terms of, you know, what do you want more money for? You know, what are your objectives? What are your plans for your life? What are you trying to achieve? Um, because I think that's often something that gets lost in the shuffle a little bit. Often we get focused on trying to maximize our return, We'll make sure our portfolio is set up in the best way, but not really taking a step back and understanding, you know, what is the end goal with this money? You know, if you're trying to earn more money at work, why do you want to earn more money? Because I think those are really important questions that you need to ask yourself um, to know when is enough or whether the decisions, the financial decisions that you are making are actually supporting the lifestyle that you want to live. So the well, before I kind of dive into those two topics today. I do have a little bit of housekeeping. So firstly, I've had a real bloody hassle with uh, with my website and with emails and stuff. So for the last couple of weeks, if you've sent me an email, especially via the website, if you sent me an email there, email there I may not have got it. Now, I try really, really hard to respond to everyone who gets in touch with me, whether that's on email, via the website, whether that is uh, on social media, whatever. I I think I respond to everybody. Um, so if you've emailed me in the last couple of weeks and you've not heard anything, it's not because I'm being a brick. The likelihood is is that the email has got lost in this kind of changeover. So um, please do feel feel free to reach out again and even put in the heading something like, um, can you respond this time, you bastard, or something like that. Um, but the... The problems are all sorted. I've um, kind of updated things a little bit. So my website is, is just my name, jasonmountford.com. Um, but you can also go to the ukmoneypodcast.com and that will take you through to the podcast section of the website. So all the information, um, all my, my my details are up there. You can contact me via, via that website. I'm also putting all my content up there. So I've got blog posts. Uh, I've got obviously the podcast is on there uh, and YouTube videos as well. Now, Speaking of YouTube, the second bit of housekeeping is I would really, really love to get some more subscribers on on the YouTube channel. So obviously, I'm putting all this content out there uh, um, as, as, as much as I can, 
providing as much uh, value as I can. And I would really like to ask a favor from you guys. And that is that if you've not subscribed to the YouTube channel, please do. You know, I put the podcasts up on there, but if you're listening to it, on, on your podcast app. That's not going to be a huge value to you necessarily. Um, but there's lots of other content that I put up there as well. Now, it really is super, super simple. So all you need to do is go into your podcast app on your phone that you're listening to me right now. You go into the episode, you scroll to the very bottom of the episode, and there is a link there to that says subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you, if you just tap that, it will pop up. Do you want to subscribe? Tap that again. That's it. You're done. So that would be gratefully, gratefully appreciated if you could subscribe to the channel. Um, and if you have questions, please do get in touch with me. Um, that is kind of driving the majority of the podcast now. I'm getting quite a lot of questions come through, which is really, really good. Um, and as I say, the, the two topics today have come from interactions with you guys with listeners to the podcast. So with that said, let's get into the first topic, which is this idea of the the building your ideal life or designing your ideal life. And this is by no means something unique that I've come up with. Um, Tim Ferriss talks a lot about this. So if you've ever heard of the book, The 4-Hour Workweek, it's a really good book. Uh, And some of the information is probably a little bit outdated in there now. And he talks a lot about uh, automating with virtual assistants and stuff like that. I'm not not as keen on kind of the detail of of that, but I think what's what's really the the biggest takeaway from me for that book is that Tim Ferriss gets you to he gives some worksheets and things, and he asks you to basically go through all of the objectives that you have for your life. So he talks about some crazy ones like uh, buying a Lamborghini or Aston Martin. I think is his is his supercar of choice. Um, he talks about that, but he also talks about other things like traveling um, to certain places every year and um, you know buying houses and things like that. And the key thing is that he highlights all these objectives for his life and then works out what monthly income he needs to support that objective. So for the Aston Martin, for example, he looks at, um, number one, buying a used one. Um, I think he looks at it once a couple of years old, so straight away it's a lot more achievable than buying one brand new. Uh, and then he looks at what it would cost him to finance that uh, on a on a sort of monthly payment plan. Now, I won't get into the pros and cons of of, of uh, financing a, a supercar, but anyway, the idea is is that you don't need to um, if you don't if you don't quantify these objectives and quantify these goals, it's very hard to know when you've achieved them or when is sensible to achieve them. So I think that is an exercise that we should all do and all do on a regular basis. And it can be for things that you want to buy, um, but I think it's more about what you want your life to look like. So what do you want your day-to-day life to look like? And so, you know, before you start thinking about should I put money in an ISA? Should I put money in a pension? Should I invest in a 100% equity portfolio? Should I have a 50% equity portfolio? The problem with all of those questions is that the answer to all of them is it depends. And that's a really annoying answer because it depends based on your personal circumstances, your situation in life, what you're trying to achieve, your end objective. So, in order to change the answer to those questions from it depends to yes or no, you need to understand or you need to have an idea of, of, of what is your end objective. Now, there, it, it can seem like a bit of a 
uh, a nebulous concept. What do I want my ideal life to look like? But really, the more specific you can get around that, the more clear you're going to get on your objective. So what do I actually mean by this? What I mean is if you look at your life, the easiest way that I find to do this is look at your life now. Look at the the things that you want to do on a day-to-day basis, both the things that you like to do and enjoy and is part of life that you would like to keep and the parts of your life that you would like to change, that you're not happy with. And then all it comes down to is working out ways to subtract, subtract those things that you don't enjoy about your life and focus on those things that you do enjoy about your life. So let's use a... Um, Let's let's just look at an example of of this. So you know, let's say you have a couple of young kids and you're working in a career you don't really like that much, but it pays pretty well. You may really love spending time with your family, and maybe uh, things have started to go back to normal. And you during lockdown, maybe you had a bit more time with them, and you've realised, you know what, it's actually really nice to be at home this much, there for breakfast, there for dinner, there for lunchtime, there for when they come back from school. And now maybe commute started back up, maybe there's more face-to-face meetings. And it's caused you to think, I don't know, I don't like the fact that I'm away from my kids as much. Um, that's a really good scenario where you can look at the the things that you really value the most in your life, spending time with the family, not having to commute. And the things that you don't like so much, which is your your job, your day-to-day job, maybe it's the commute. And then look at ways to reduce the stuff that you don't like and maximize the stuff that you do like. Now, there are a number of different ways you can do this. So in this example, maybe you actually do really like your job, but you don't like the commute. You know, you don't mind working kind of a standard nine to five, but you don't like the fact that you've got to travel an hour and a half each way at the start and finish of every day or you don't like the fact that you have to be in five days a week you know maybe it's not necessarily the objective isn't to change careers entirely because that would put your family under too much financial strain and would create a whole bunch of new problems maybe it's looking at your living situation can you move closer to your job can you get a similar job with a different company that has an office a bit closer Um, on the other hand it may be that you really don't like the job so the quicker you can get out of the job and the career and the industry you're in altogether, the better. And then that obviously lends itself to a whole range of, of, of different objectives. Now, I'm kind of throwing out all these things here of, of things that you like or don't like about your life, right? And the reason why it's really important to gain clarity around that is because eventually you'll get to an end point where you are looking at your your ideal life and you will be very clear on what that looks like. So I work, you know, in my ideal life, I work in this job. I work from home three days a week or two days a week or whatever. Um, I'm able to pick my kids up and drop them off from uh, at, at school on those other days. Um, we don't have a mortgage because that would mean we have more money to, um, to spend on going to center parks once a year and Spain once a year. For example, I don't know. They're just things that I think are, you know, hypothetical things that might be important to people. Now, that is going to lend itself to some quite clear investment objectives. So, you know, if those are the key um, things that you're trying to achieve, there's either going to be the need to um, uh, be able to afford to maybe take a pay cut 
you know, if, if you want to change jobs, change careers altogether. And therefore, that's going to mean access to your funds is going to be really important. So putting money into a pension isn't going to be probably, in, let's say you're in your 30s or 40s, putting money into a pension is going to be a really bad way to try and achieve that objective um, because you're not going to be able to access that money. Putting money into an ISA, probably a really good option because you're going to be able to build up those funds tax-free and you're going to, going to be able to access them when you want. Depending on how much you can afford to save into that ISA will depend on how quickly you can make that change. So, you know, if you're looking to make a change to your career as soon as possible, but it's going to take you four years or five years to build up enough in investments to be able to afford to do that, then you've got a five-year investment time frame. There you go. So now you've got the tax wrapper that's probably going to be the best for you and you've got an idea of the type of investments you should have within that tax wrapper. Um, on the other hand, if the solution to your problem is to uh, move closer to work and you've worked out that you need an extra, I don't know, 20 grand, 15 grand in order to um, be able to, to move, pay the, pay the transfer costs and, I don't know, maybe a slightly higher deposit in order to get a, a higher mortgage or whatever the case is, you know, maybe you could achieve your objective in two years. And so then, again, you've got an idea of the type of investment wrapper you should have and the type of investment you should have within that wrapper. So, you know, again, an ISA, it may be worthwhile, but actually, if you've only got a two-year investment time frame, you probably only really should be looking at cash anyway, and therefore, you don't need an ISA for that goal. So, all of the detail around the questions that I get asked all the time, you know, how should I best invest my money? Um, should I look at using a lifetime ISA or a pension? Um, you know, how much should I put into my pension? All these different things all need to, the answers to those all need to come off the, 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 the aims for your life. So I think this is a really good exercise. And if you have a partner, you should definitely do this with them is to sit down and say, you know, in five years, in 10 years, what do we want our life to look like? And I think seeing as we've gone through lockdown, we've gone through such a drastic change in the world, I think now is the best time to be as drastic as possible about those changes. Now, you're going to have to be realistic. If you've got kids, you can't just go chucking in a job and decide you want to become a photographer. You know, it's probably going to take you some time to build up the to build up the, the business on the side or whatever to do something crazy like that. But if that is what you want to do, then it is simply a matter of working out a realistic time frame for that, a realistic budget for that, and then going for it, then putting those steps in place. And even if you can only save a couple of hundred quid a month towards that objective, you will still have an endpoint when that object, ob objective will be achievable. Now, I probably wouldn't recommend looking any further than 10 years in advance because I think 10 years is still a very long time and five years I think is actually probably the best time frame to look at for this because five years is long enough where you can make some really pretty drastic changes to your life in five years. If, you're, if you make a concerted effort, you can save a lot of money in most cases. Um, you can retrain in most things. You can really drastically change your life over that time scale, but it's not so far in advance that it feels like it's never going to come to an end. So I think five years is a really good time frame. You could push that out to 10 if you've got a really, really um, lofty, lofty objective, but um, I wouldn't go any further than that because it becomes too abstract and it becomes too hard to kind of maintain whether you're on track. And, you know, once you 
once you have that idea of, of what you want your ideal life to look like, you can then put that plan in place and then it's just a case of, of executing that plan. So the reason why this, this came about is because I had a listener contact me um, to have a chat about their finance, financial circumstances, came to me for financial advice um, and she was deciding, she's probably listening, so hello if you are listening, um, she is emigrating back from overseas, um, from abroad, she's moving back to the UK and she's undecided as to whether she's going to live in uh, in Scotland or down south in the UK. Now, the that single decision is going to be well. We had a big decision about a big discussion about what kind of her plans were and what her ideas had been around investing the money she's got, and what it all boils down to is, until she's made that very first decision, do I want to live in Scotland or do I want to live down south? You can't really make any further decisions than that, because whether the choice she makes there will depend on how much she needs to spend on a house, and therefore you know, how much money she will have left left to invest rather than going going to pay for the deposit on the house. Um, it will depend on the kind of income she can generate from work. It will depend on um, the tax system. Obviously, they're two different countries, so the tax system is different. Loads and loads of, of, of kind of subsequent questions that will come off that, but the very first one needs to be answered first. And, you know, that's kind of the way you have to do it because once you answer the first question, that will then lead you on to the next question and the next question and the next question. And the further down that line you go, the more defined your future objectives are going to be, the more defined your ideal life is going to be, and the better the results. The more specific you can get about the things you're trying to achieve, literally down to the pounds and pence it's going to cost you to, to execute that, the number one, the, the more accurate your, your planning will be able to be, and number two, the, the easier you'll be able to tell if you're on track. You know, If, if your objective is to buy a Lamborghini, you will know down to the very last penny what that Lamborghini is going to cost you. You will know then just using a simple compound interest calculator online how much you need to put into investments or put into savings and how long you're going to need to do that for in order to get that Lambo. Actually, anyone could buy a Lambo if they really wanted to. It might take some people 25 years, but everyone can do, I won't say anything, I'm not, uh, I'm a realist, but any you can do almost anything that you want to do. You just have to have a long enough time frame and the right plan in place. So I, I think that's a really important point. A lot of the guests I've got coming on, uh, I'm going to talk more about this. I've got Catherine Morgan um, from the Money Panel coming on in a few weeks. She is all about mindset around money and, and how your past experiences um, influence your, your current thinking around money. And I think this whole mindset piece is really, really important. And I think it gets lost in the weeds a little bit with all the with all the bullshit about should I, you know, trade in two one two or Robinhood or Vanguard or whatever. You know, that stuff is is really the the tail end. It's like the 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 bits and pieces, the spare change at the end. The the thing that's really going to make a difference to you, the thing that's going to make you have a better life, that's going to make your finances be working to something actually important, is understanding that plan, understanding that ideal life. So if that is all a bit um, abstract and woo-woo for you, um, I don't think it is. I think it's awesome and really, really important. I, I, I get quite pumped up talking about it. But I am going to talk about um, more nitty-gritty, uh, more more pounds and pence um, with my second question. So this question has come through from my listener, Matt, who's got in touch with me via Instagram. And that question is, 
Let me just get it up on my phone. Touch ID not working. Always the way. Where are we? Okay, Matt has said, um, I understand what a bond is and I'm pretty sure I understand how bonds pay out, but I was wondering about a few things. Where can you buy bonds? Where sells a good range of them? What's your take on bond ETFs? The dividend rates on the ones I've seen are really low. Are they worth it? Cheers and all the best, Matt. Matt, thank you very much for sending through the question. It's a good one because the vast majority of content out there is around buying equities, buying shares, buying stocks. And um, bonds are not as sexy by any stretch of the imagination. They, as Matt has said, the returns are generally going to be a lot lower than what you get from from equities. Um, but they serve a different um, they serve a different role in a portfolio. You know, the idea is that depending on your time frame, you may not really have much in the way of bonds invested. Um, you know, if you've got 30, 40 years, you probably don't need to have much money in bonds at all. But if you've got, you know, five, 10 years or, or less, you know, the likelihood is you will have some bonds allocated in your portfolio. And if you have, you know, even if you have 20 years, you'll probably have a even just a small allocation to, to fixed interest and to bonds. And, you know, the key uh, benefit of bonds is that they provide a return that should ideally still be above the level of, infla of inflation, um, but is going to fluctuate a lot less than what you get with stock markets. Now, the, let's start with running through these questions. You know, number one, where can you buy bonds? So you can buy bonds when they are directly issued by whoever, the UK government, the US Treasury, um, different companies. You can buy them directly from the source. Now, I uh, number one, that's not a very common way to do it, um, mainly because one of the main reasons is because the vast majority of them are bought by institutions right off the bat. Anyway, a lot of them will have very high minimums, so like 500,000 minimum purchase, things like that. Um, so the most common way to buy bonds, and Matt has alluded to it there, is ETFs. So you know, you can buy a bond ETF exactly the same way as you can buy an equity ETF. And the range of these ETFs is as broad uh, as the range of equities. So you can buy an ETF which invests uh, solely in US treasuries, for example. Now, there will be multiple US treasuries in those ETFs, so there'll be different durations. Some of them will be shorter term, like five, 10 years. Some of them will be really long term, like 40 or 50 years. Um, you can buy a um, ETFs that invest solely in um, like AAA rated. So, you know, talking US treasuries, but also UK gilts, um, you know, Australian government bonds. Um, you can buy ETFs that invest in what are known as junk bonds, which are bonds that pay a very high interest rate, but the places who are um, borrowing the money are quite sketchy. So uh, third world countries or developing countries, I should say, um, uh, co companies that are uh, risky like airlines um, and everything in between. You know, there are ETFs that invest in a mixture of those things. Now, the important thing is that just like any investment, really, the level of risk you take within the bond sector, the more risk you take, the higher the level of return you're likely to get. But the, the bigger the risk, the bigger the volatility, the bigger the chances that you... you um, won't get your money back or you'll go through periods of loss. And really when it comes to to bond investing, you know, it's like most things, it's about finding that, that balance between the two. So, you know, a bond fund uh, that invests across 
a whole range of different uh, asset classes, uh, not asset classes, but um, levels of bonds. So they'll have some US treasuries, some UK gilts, some corporate debt, some emerging market debt. You know, you're still not going to get a really massive return. You know, if you're getting two or 3% per annum um, from those sorts of investments, that's kind of what you expect. Um, they, The idea is, like I say, is not for them to provide the bulk of the level of return. The idea is to for them to, to cover inflation at the very least um, and provide some stable stable backing for your portfolio. So, you know, when you are investing money or saving money, uh, uh, earning the at least the rate of inflation is kind of the bare minimum that you need. So, you know, that the idea behind that is that Number one, it, it does that at the very least, hopefully, over the long run. And number two, the other benefit of investing in fixed interest and bonds is that when you get to the point when you're taking money out of your portfolio, it gives you a, a component that is not likely to fluctuate as much and therefore gives you access to capital kind of regardless of market conditions. So what I mean by that is, you know, let's say we go back to start of last year when coronavirus was really taking off, the... Stock markets around the world were down like 30, 40% in a very short space of time. So if you were in a situation where you were retired and you needed access to uh, some money for whatever reason, boiler broke broke down, you need a new car, whatever, you need 10,000 pounds, you wouldn't want to be in the situation where you're selling down a, 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 um, some of your portfolio, some of your equities and copying a 30 or 40% loss on that money just because you happen to need some cash then. So by having a portion of your investment in defensive assets, it means that you could take the portion from that defensive amount section of your portfolio. So you could take 10,000 from your fixed interest portfolio component, which wouldn't have fallen by as much, may have fallen a little bit, but would have remained much more stable. Take 10,000 out, once markets recover, once stock markets recover, you can rebalance things, sell down some of your equities then, and then top up the fixed interest. So it provides um, stability. It provides flexibility within your normal portfolio. Now, where do you buy these? You buy these basically anywhere that you would buy, um, anywhere that you invest, basically. So if you invest on Hargreaves Lansdowne, there are a million different uh, bond ETFs or bond managed funds um, that you can invest in. Uh, if you invest via Vanguard, you can do the same thing. They offer some as well. Basically, anyone will will do these. And again, it just comes down to your, your risk profile um, of the types of bonds that you want to be looking at. You know, do you want to be looking at just a really safe and secure um, bond portfolio that won't really provide you much in the way of return? Or again, are you looking to, um, try, are you comfortable with taking a little bit more risk for that in order to gain a little bit more return? Um, it's a really good question. So thank you very much for sending that one through, Matt. Um, I guess the last point to make on bonds is that the really important thing to keep in mind, if you've been doing some research on this yourself, you know, if you are buying uh, an equity, it's open-ended. So you, um, you know, unless the company goes bankrupt or is bought out or goes private or anything like that, you know, you as long as you hold that investment. Um, you know, you hold that investment. With a, with bonds, with fixed interest investments, they will always have, well, the, the vast, vast majority of the times they will have an end date. So that could be a really long time in the future. It could be 40 years, 50 years, 100 years. Um, 
but at some point the idea is that you get your initial investment back now the important thing to keep in mind is that if you invest in an ETF or, an, or a fund the, that the actual structure is open-ended so you will buy units in the fund or in the ETF within that fund the, the manager whether that's an index passive manager like Vanguard or an active manager will there will constantly be being um, fixed interest investments within that fund that are maturing so they're coming up to their end date, the money's getting paid to the investment manager. The difference is the investment manager is then just reinvesting that to something different on your behalf. So whilst within the fund structure, they are coming to an end all the time, these fixed interest investments, from your perspective, it's open-ended. From your perspective, it is just as liquid as a um, as an equity fund um, and you buy and sell and trade them in exactly the same way. So for all intents and purposes, if you're buying an ETF, if you're buying a managed fund, you won't really see any difference between buying a bond-based fund or a share-based fund. So I do have a number of guests coming up in the few last few weeks. You may have thought I just got Andy on. I told you guests, plural guests. I got Andy on and then it's been a few weeks where you've just had to listen to me by myself. But they are on their way. Um, I've got uh, three interviews coming up in the next couple of weeks uh, and then a fourth a couple of weeks after that. I'm really excited about these people coming on uh, and talking to me and, and talking to you guys. I've got I've got uh, Pete from Conversation of Money, who's got over thirty thousand subscribers on YouTube. Uh, I've got Catherine Morgan. I mentioned her before from from the Money Panel. She's she's big in onto money mindset and, and talking through um, where our feelings about money come come from and our attitudes towards money. Like I was saying before, that is a really important part of of your finances and getting a hold and getting a handle on your finances that we don't talk about enough really. I've also got Amelia Sordell who runs a business called Clout which is all about personal branding and I think again that is that is massive because that's all about the the value that a personal brand can bring to you as either an entrepreneur or just in your career. You know how much it can improve your earning capacity by standing out from the crowd and having a strong personal brand. And if you're talking about finances, you know the, the, the more money you can earn, the easier the rest of it all gets. So I think that's going to be really valuable. Uh, and then I've got Sarah Tucker, um, who is the mortgage mum. And she's going to come on and talk about mortgages because, again, that is for a lot of people one of the biggest financial decisions you make is, is your house and your mortgage. So there's lots of really valuable conversations coming your way. If you have anybody that you know who you think would make a great guest who you'd like to um, either give me a heads up about or introduce me to, I'm always open to that. Um, the idea is that going forward we will have a fairly even mix between episodes like this and guests coming on the show as well so look thank you very much for being with me as always guys i hope that's been um hope you got some value from that as i said you know if there's going to be any homework for you off the back of this one just sit down and, and with your partner if you have one work through what does my ideal life look like what do i have in my life now that i don't like that i would like to change and what would be this the financial steps or the financial backing that i would need to make those changes because once you've got that really clear in your mind it's then super, super simple to actually, um, to actually just basically draw a line between how you invest your money, how you manage your money, because you know whether you can eat, you can say very easily whether that forwards you towards your goal or or detracts from it. Now, um, I have also done a, a video on a similar topic that goes into a bit more de detail on YouTube. So if you didn't do it at the start of this, please do check out the YouTube channel. Um, subscribe to that; it would be much, much appreciated. And I look forward to chatting to you next week.